while we pushing the culture forward. Great music and big vibes right in that order. Yo, 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 hold up. I didn't like that, man. It didn't start off right. We're going to do that again because I can't. Intellectually petty radio on your stereo. Don't compare us to anything. This is a different scenario. We break records while we pushing the culture forward. Great music and big vibes right in that order. Intellectually petty radio on the stereo. Don't compare us to anything. This is a different scenario. We break records while we pushing the culture forward. Great music and big vibes right in that order. And you are now tuned into another episode of Intellectually Petty Radio, brought to you by M3S3 Clothing. Men make moves and suckers stand still. And as always, the Nerf DJs Radio. Shout out to the OG DJ Johnny. Oh, and Big Health and T Rex. Y'all already know, man. This is Jobs and Legends, Legends, Legends. That's all I fuck with around here. Y'all already know how I get down. And today is absolutely no exception we got royce kennebrew in the building the diversity expert oh we about to have a good one today because y'all know i'm not the most diverse nigga on the planet so let me let me get the brother here <laughs> what's My going God. on bro? <laughs> man i like that i ain't mad at you bro I am not mad how you doing man you. oh see that's much better man you you, you oh, now God. you look rich yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the I got the background, bro. Right. Just, yeah, I just was running this 94 bro was backed up, dude. I said I didn't left what I had to do. I didn't got an hour early and I'm sitting here on 94, bro. So I just ran up in here. My bad. Oh man. Hey man, them Detroit freeways, man, be off the hook sometimes. I'm not even gonna lie, man. But but man, it's getting on the lodge and doing like a hundred and everybody else doing a hundred. It's just a beautiful thing. Sometimes it takes me a minute to get used to when I can get yeah, back home. Yeah, you know, how's your family, man? How's life? Everything is good, brother. I can't complain. Um, everybody made it through the, well, I was about to, my immediate family made it through the pandemic. I had some, uh, some uh, aunt, two aunts to pass. Um, but everything is well, brother. I can't complain. You know, things are going well. Business is going well. Uh, I can't complain, man. Still living out here uh, on the east side of Detroit, man. So, I'm sorry. No, dog. No, I'm sorry. No, man. Don't be. Don't, see, here's here's the thing that you you got to understand. If you there's nothing to be sorry about. If somebody if they text me several times a week trying to buy my house, do you understand what I mean? It, it ain't no sorry if my house is has the price. I'm not mad at that. I'm yes. not mad at that. Yes. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm I'm not ignoring you, bro. For some reason, like my shit, even though I in advance changed the names and everything, it keeps reverting back to the same name. So I have to figure out how to edit it on the fly each time. So if you are watching, I do apologize. It's Royce Kennebrew and, and, and not the great director, Darren Brown. I love the guy, um, but I want to make sure that Royce gets his proper uh, respect. So, I, you know, my apologies, but this is a, a technological issue and not a stupid issue on my part. <laughs> Listen, brother, we ain't nobody perfect. Let's let's rock and roll. So, um, so tell the people what you do for a living. Well, bro, I do. Um, uh, I I talk for a living, and I do that really in two different ways. One, for the last nineteen years, I've been doing diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility programming for federal agencies, Department of Justice, ATF, DEA, NASA. Bureau of Engraving and Printing, Consumer Product Safety Commission, Department of the Army, Department of the Navy, um, and helping those folks at those agencies work to have better, more inclusive workplaces where everybody feels wanted. And then on my other end of the business, because I was a teacher uh, for many years, I got over 20 years of educational experience where I taught fourth grade, fifth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, dean of students, assistant principal, athletic director. 
I uh, work with schools um, in a contract fashion now, just helping their students, parents, teachers, usually in the area of social and emotional learning, trauma-informed practices. I just want schools to work better for everybody involved, in particular little boys that look like me. Mm, I like that. I like that. So, so how'd you get involved in this? And like, like, like first off, like, like, and you, me and you had a long ass discussion and shout out to my cousin, we, man. We had a show before the show. Oh my God. Lo- love my, love my cousin, Dion. She is like, she is so passionate about diversity. Yeah. She, she hit me up. She like, and she rarely hits me up and say, I got to interview with somebody. Um, she's like, you got to interview this guy. He'd be great on your show. I'm like okay, cause I'd interview a potato if you ask me. Cause however, I looked him up. I'm like, okay, dude's kind of interested. Give him a call. Oh, okay, all right, all right. He can talk some shit. Okay, and he ain't mad that I'm talking some shit back. I think it's no gonna way. be a good conversation. Well, you know, some people get a little tender about shit. But like what said, made I'm, you I'm, get I'm, into the diversity? Like Detroit is not the most diverse community on the planet. Absolutely, brother. That's why the majority of the work I do for the federal government. I think out of the hundred plus uh, sessions that I have had, programs that I've had, maybe one or two have been in Metro Detroit. The rest have been either, the vast majority have been in Washington, D.C. or satellite offices of some of the uh, different bureaus. So um, like I did DEA in Puerto Rico. I did, who was I? I did like. See, that's the DEA fucking with you right there, bro. <laughs> they ain't messing with me. There ain't nothing to mess with me about, dog. <laughs> listen, they got, listen, if they mess with me, they practicing. Because there ain't no reason for them to mess with me, dog. Um, What's yeah, the response so, from them, though? Like, like, huh? come on. Like, you got a, a whole bunch of, you know, I don't know, trying to be polite, cops um, who are probably, for the most part, required to take the course. Yeah. So they, you know, they they tight about that. Yeah. Like, what's the response you getting from them? Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. I work more on the civil side, so I'm okay. a, I work with the folks who don't have the badge 99 percent of the time. Now, okay. there is a part of what I do for the bad side, but I don't do that. I don't me- I don't mess with the police officers and the and like the the, the feds, like the FBI. ATF. I don't mess with their agents in regards to their training for their, you know, when they're on the scene and when they're doing their work, uh, I don't mess with them. I work with the folks in regards to when they come back to the house, when they come mm-hmm. back to the, the building, the headquarters mm-hmm. or to their satellite office, they know how to talk to people. They know how to treat people, no matter if they're black or white, or if they're a woman, if they're a man, if they're, you know, what have you. So that, that's the, the part of the business I do. So it's more you're dealing with civil service, trying to teach them how to deal with their colleagues as opposed to the people that they are uh, serving and protecting. Well, well, both, actually, you know, I want to make sure that you if you could if you could treat your coworker nice, then the people on that phone, you ought to be able to uh, treat nice as well. And, you know, I talk to people about trauma, man. You know, trauma is a big deal. You know, this this pandemic had us. Uh, so isolated and so wound up, man, you know, kids, grades went down nationwide, violence went up nationwide and nobody's getting no counseling and think it's going to get better. So, you know, I I talk about that too in the schools and with the the federal agencies. What happens when it don't work? How do you feel? Shoot, brother, listen to me. It's the way that I look at it is that nothing there's nothing that always works, right? Nothing always works, especially when you talk about training and stuff like that. As a, there are going to be times when stuff don't work. There are going to be times where people in there don't want it to work. There's going to be times when, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just a check. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it is you got you to gotta put forth the effort to help people that want to help themselves and to give them some information so they can make the places where they work and the places where they live better. I, I feel you, man. It don't always work. All right. So you walk into my office mm-hmm. and it's 77% black folks in there. And we mm-hmm. got three white dudes. And 
What, what's what the, what's the other percentage? What's the other percentage of, of people? You got 77 black and three white dudes. Who else in there? I, 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 I don't know. It's, it's a Puerto Rican guy. And, That's okay. And, and I, I don't know. Uh, uh, an Asian fella. There it is. But, but what are you telling us? Like, how do you start? Like, walk me through a, a session. Like, if I'm, if I came into an office like that, the first thing that you got to know, bro, is that you got to do your homework on your audience. You got to know, like, like I always tell people who are, who's going to be in there. What's their what's their content knowledge? Uh, what's their back? What's their ba- background? What's their makeup? When I know that if I came into a room, 77 percent African-American, uh, it's going to most likely be a more hospitable room to what I'm trying to teach. And so I would go in there and I would, I always check the room. I always ask questions and I always look to build rapport first because my stuff will, it will change based on the knowledge base and the people that's in the room. Okay. Right. Cause I okay. got to give them what they need to, 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 uh, to be better. Okay. Yeah. Now I will say if we in Detroit and you come in there and you say uh, that we are African-American and you don't say we black, I'm looking at you sideways. It's, it's either or. What's the difference? It is a difference. What's it, the difference? It, it, when you're around black folks and, and you say African American, you're trying to be politically correct. Is that right? Yeah. Well, black, I got, like, a, like, like black is like a professional nigga. Like, <laughs> you know, that's that's like that's like giving give me some dap, you know, as opposed to a, a, a handshake verbally. I listen. I well, I I I, I feel that. But because I, I try to present what I do all the time, I use the term African American. I will do, use the do term. Do we give black. you the most pushback? I'm huh? sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But do we give you the most pushback, black folks? Not really. Not really. See, what where usually where I'm at, if mm-hmm. I'm in a government agency, like for mm-hmm. instance, I was in a government. I was at. I was at NASA. I had. I was there to do the MLK uh, keynote lecture, and they want to do a lunch and learn. So they had. I was with all. I was with the director. I was with the assistant director and all the division heads in a lunch and learn at Kennedy Space Center at NASA. At wow. a place like that, ain't no pushback, you know, because there ain't too much too much African Americans in there. And even when I'm with African Americans, they don't push back because. I come in, I build rapport, and second of all, I show them how what I'm telling them can be a benefit, can be a help to them, and everybody wants to be helped. Okay, and then you got yeah, and like that level, they call switching hella hard. Man, tough. <laughs> <laughs> hi, hi, Tom. Listen, man. If you up in a government agency and you a GS thirteen, GS fourteen, GS fifteen, dude, you making one hundred and ninety thousand dollars. You making you making two ten. If you go SES, you gonna be two hundred thousand dollars. And so when you get to that point, um, you are trying to make sure you dot your eyes, cross your yeah. T's, be correct, do your job, keep it moving, and retire. That's what yeah. civil servant jobs are about, yeah. from what I and see. You live in your life like you're being watched and making that type of money as a brother or you sister. Are. You, you are. Absolutely, yeah. brother. Absolutely. I mean, even when you leave the building. Listen, I've been in the intelligence agencies, bro, and it's not a game. Now, it's, it's TV, it's movies. Now, think 30, 40 years past what they what you see on TV. That's what it is. Ain't Ain't no foolishness, brother. Ain't no yeah. foolishness. I didn't been I in know. several of them. I'm very uh like I say some wild shit, but I say some politically correct wild shit. Like like I mean go on Facebook or, or social mm-hmm. media, you know. I'm conscious that what I say may be dug up in a decade. See, let me tell you something. You say the right thing, ain't no dug up. If if you say the right thing, they're yeah. they're listen, you remember now this is a, a true story. Mm-hmm. I had a, a black history, uh, MLK program in NSA. You remember that movie, uh, Enemy of the State with Will Smith in it? Yeah. And Gene now, Hackman. L- yes. Now listen to me. You you say something on your phone. You say something on this computer. You say something with your laptop power off that hit the right, the the, the folk keywords together. Brother, yeah. 
it ain't no dug up. You dug yourself up. They listening? Yeah. You yeah. think they're not? I know they are. Right. <laughs> and I, when they I, see I, you're I, in the threat, they're gonna keep it moving. There was a there was a, a a crime committed, and unbeknownst to these criminals, it wasn't their cell phone. Well, any of that. They were they were able to literally visually tell them what every stop they made. Like so, which is which is bizarre because so many crimes go unsolved. If they really you. wanted to solve every crime, they could with ease. Mm. It's the, it's those resources. It's what are those those intelligence resources allocated for? If they're allocated for national security, they're not supposed to be doing any spying on U.S. citizens. That's how. Uh, the, the story that I was telling you about, I was in NSA during that Richard Snowden time and mm. uh, the people that were got in trouble that I was sitting in the room with them jokers up in the NSA building on Fort Meade. And um, four months later, they was all on TV on 60 Minutes. And I was like, oh, my God, I was in the room with them jokers. And so it's it's real, bro. It's real. I, I'm, I feel very secure. Um uh, especially when I'm I'm in DC and I'm up in one of the buildings, I'll just mm-hmm. put it like that. <laughs> you think was he a gift or a curse? What Snowden? <sighs> I know I, I want to get you in trouble, bro. If you want to move past that one, I'm sorry. But <laughs> I'm I had tell to you, y'all, if he, the only thing I can say, did he break the law? If he broke the law, he broke the law, and I think he did break the law. So that's that's what I can say. But but on the other end, the country was breaking the law. Because you had a surveillance program. Listen, do you know that uh, laptops that were powered off, cell phones that were powered off, not that they were not that the lid was shut down, but they were powered off, were able to get video and get sound. And that's what was going on. And that's what Richard Snow let out the bag. So I will tell you in my official capacity, don't break the law. But I also will tell that to the um, federal government, too. I feel you on that, man. Um, (laughs) Somebody got to fall on their sword every so often. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad he fell on his sword, but I don't think it changed anything. No, it's I'll tell you that um, the to change something. It's real hard because you have to do systemic change. You have to do system yeah. change. Yeah. People change isn't really that big of a change sometimes no. unless you do system change because you could sometimes they just replace people, but the yeah. system stays the same. So it does continues to do the same thing. So what's the goal for you? Like, are you, are you, is this, are you, you want to retire doing diversity or like, I'm thinking you should run for office. Well, I'm going to tell you for me, man, my goal, I believe that, First of all, I look back at I look back in my history and I look back when did I need the most help? And so that that high school, that end of high school time, that beginning of college time. And so with a lot of that, my K-12 educational part and mm-hmm. the mentoring that I do through uh, through athletics, man, I attempt to create kids that can navigate these systems and navigate these pitfalls. I don't want them to get the get bumped on the head like I did. Uh, That's one part of what I think that I was put on this planet to do. The Mm -hmm. other part in regards to the diversity, equity and inclusion part, you know, running for office is something that I can see in my future because I could bring a whole historical, um, philosophical, um, empirical uh, uh, background to some of these discussions Mm -hmm. that would really help people because for, i'll give you an example you know what they do over on fox news say for instance um tucker carlson and hannity when they say to people that don't take the vaccine is this that or the other and people don't take it people like really do die you know what i'm saying they actually do die from no. from that now i'm not no, gonna they, get too deep into it and some people believe it some people don't but i'm gonna tell you this is that if you say stuff uh, that is disseminated in a, a huge manner, and it and it and it hurts people. Dog, that's that's not good, dude. That's not. I'm gonna good. disagree with you wholeheartedly on that singular point, though. 
Um, I first off, they put something out there and were completely insulated against any repercussions if shit went haywire. You can't sue them. You can't do anything. It's just out there, and then they making you take it. And now yeah, nobody they, got made to take it. Come on, dog. You know ain't nobody getting made to take it. Okay, they there's a lot of people that lost their jobs because no, they weren't made to take it. They had an option, take it yeah. or be be unemployed. And in some areas they had to hire those people back. Yeah. And they are also finding out, like I interviewed a physician about this, and he was actually a proponent of people getting it. But he also said that if you had COVID at some point, mm-hmm. That your immunization, after about six months, your immunization was the same as someone who had gotten the jab. Hmm. And they they weren't telling people that. And a lot of people had gotten, most people get COVID, they get COVID, are fine. They, hmm. they get sick. They made, I got COVID, I got, I didn't get sick. But I, I'm, I'm just lucky. Some people get sick. Some people get really sick. Some people get the flu and die. Some people get a common cold and their head falls off. I'm exaggerating. However, you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like I think in that particular point, there wasn't enough research. There wasn't enough uh, insight on what they were demanding that people take. I could understand the hesitance from the... And I hate that I'm okay. agreeing with fucking Tucker Carlson. Listen, listen. I don't have a problem with anybody's concern in regards to metal. See, that's why I talk about the historical point. Mm -hmm. Now I know history. And so I ain't just talking about the syphilis. I'm just not just talking about the Tuskegee. I'm talking about it's way more than that in regards to black folks being experimented on in medical uh, issues and stuff that's relevant today. All of that still being true. I look at it like this. We we all took all of our shots to get into school. Ain't nobody mama, nobody daddy, nobody big mama, no nothing in them. Know what's in them, right? And we mm-hmm. did that. Now, if you decided you didn't want to do it, that was on you. And I and listen, I don't blame nobody because I understand the trepidation, but I rolled the dice personally. I just rolled the dice. I'm not mm-hmm. going to shame nobody for wanting to take it. None of that. Or for for not wanting to take it, but if I'm it saying, works though, you shouldn't have a problem if I don't take it because you good. Oh no doubt, no doubt, no yeah. doubt. Like that, no the, doubt. The, the, the whole uh, well, if you don't take it, you're gonna ruin the planet. No, bro, you good. You took it. Why are you worried about me? Well, here's the other thing I think too. I think that so many people got it. I think mm-hmm. that virtually, I think probably close to a high ninety percentile. I think we're in herd immunity now. Because if the people didn't take it, you'd have got it, and you just don't—you just didn't have no symptoms of it. Because if you could have it and not have no symptoms, that means everybody could have had it, right? I know I had it like multiple times. I know I had it like at least twice, you know. And so it's—it's it's all good. And I know that because I've been vaccinated, and the way that way that my health is is that I should be pretty straight, and I won't check out. So that's the biggest thing for me. What do you think this country is going to look like in a hundred years? Diversity wise. Oh man, it's probably going to be 65, 70% people of color. It's going it's to be, be 50% people of color in 15, 20 years. So you talk about 70 years, you talk about my set, it might be 70, 70, 75, maybe 80% people of color up in here, man. And see, that's another term I, I, I never use. I don't, I don't put any, it's black folks and others. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> Go ahead, explain it to me. Other communities stick together. True. And they align themselves with white people and how they view us. They may they may use people of color when it benefits them, when they when when there's something that the government that will give to people of color, yeah, they'll 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 take that people of color tag, but go to their store and you a nigga. Try to uh, marry their, try to marry their daughter. You a nigga. I, uh, I could get I could get with that for some for for some groups of people, yeah, especially some when it cuts it on the religious base because sometimes it's more than just race; it's race and religion and culture. And so I could get with you on I I, I could agree with that on on some on some point. But there's some Latinx people. There's some cats. There's some cats in the barrio 
who catching it just like me and they really relate to me and they intermarry with us, you know? So, but not everybody. And I, mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. There are some people um, that don't rock with us and have a, um, a, a adversarial uh, relationship with black folk. Um, and I, I, I get that, but you know, I use it to encompass everybody. So I don't have to say black, Asian, Latinx, Korean, Japanese, blah, blah. That's why I say it, bro. Most of them really, really hate us. (laughs) I'm going to keep it a buck. I've I've seen seen the best of people, and I've seen the worst of people, so I can't disagree. I mean, well, when you go go do your thing, Mm -hmm. people have to be on their best behavior. You're not going, you're not going to their neighborhood. Right. You're going to their place of employment. Sure. And you're not yeah. going to the, the janitors. Yeah. You're going to the, the, the elites of the place of employment. Those people and, that, and, that and are regular, and the, Yeah. And the rank and file staff agree. Agree. But you get the microaggressions. You get the people on their phone rolling their eyes. <sighs> oh, you get all of that, bro. Do you and call so them out? To, huh? Do you call them out? Um, basically what I, the way that I play it is this, you're not going to get an ally by calling somebody out directly, right? You're not going to get an ally. The way that I do it, bro. And, and is that you will be driving home in your car two weeks later and be catching what I'm saying because I slide it in there to so slick. And because you can't make people think that you that 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 you are against them that they are the problem you got to show them as the remedy right you got to show them as a potential answer to the problem right and in the research that that talks about diversity equity and inclusion accessibility programs you have to go in show them how they're the answer and how you need behavior and system changes if you go in and say you the problem but what if they the problem uh that you can get them as an ally if you if you go in and change systems and tell them how they could be an answer everybody wants to be an answer nobody wants to be a problem and even though they might be the problem they'll change from being the problem when they find out yeah i, I could be the answer here i'm not a bad guy i like shaniqua she's cool i like i like uh 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 kiwan he cool you know what i'm saying so, you're the most optimistic motherfucker I have ever come across, bro. <laughs> Listen to me. I don't say I don't say that it all works, bro. And I'm not saying that it's working right now. I'm I'm telling you that there are. I I, I go down to as small as each one teach one. Now I met I'm I, I am in contact with African American boys four or five times a week where I mentor them show them what they need to do to navigate this American experience. That's thing number one. Okay. Thing number two is I go inside schools to work with staff to help them to teach a population that's diverse with black boys, black girls. That's thing number two. Mm -hmm. Thing number three, I go into federal agencies to help them get their agency together so people can be happy at their job. That's thing number three. And the other thing is, I, I leave the rest in the hands of God, bro. Because you can only do so much. <laughs> Yo, uh, I would, I, I'm not even going to lie, man. I, I, I'm fearful for my grandkids, the world oh, that, that, that I'm leaving them. Um, I would absolutely, under no circumstances, want to be a teacher. Mm. Like, I see, these kids ain't shit nowadays, bro. Like, <laughs> Like, oh, I fuck them kids, man. I hate these kids. I, 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 let me back up. These parents ain't shit. Like, they are using the school system to 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 babysit these badass kids that they don't want to raise correctly at home, and then blame other people when your kids do dumb shit. Now, let me explain it to you. I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it to you from my background. I'm going to explain to you why I was supposed to be crazy as hell. My mom got mental illness, dog, when I was in middle school. Okay. My dad wasn't in the picture. We was pole as H-E-triple-L, right? 
Mm-hmm. All of that is a rest. I grew up on the east side of Detroit in the 80s. Ooh. I know about white boy Rick, Maserati Rick, best friends, um, uh, the Curry brothers, the BMF guy. All, all, I grew up in that era right there. Okay. Right. Okay. Everything I had, I had every every check against me. I had messed up. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't ask my mama, who was had mental illness, and that was just her issue. Now, some kids might have had a mama who was on crack. Some people might have had a, a mama who was trifling, or another mama who was doing the best she could, but but could only, was working double shifts and had to leave their kid there eight hours by themselves. The reason why people are the way they are is because something happened to them to make them that way. When you look at it from that way, Mm-hmm. When you look at it that way, something is wrong with him, her, because something made him that way. Then you start saying it ain't his fault. And then when you look at kids, because I was a kid at Cash Tech, shooting fire uh, firecrackers down the, in the garbage can, shooting skyrockets down the hallway, uh, skipping <laughs> class, because I had a, a, a home that mm-hmm. would, had drastically changed because of my mother's mental illness. Okay. And because I had these, what's called now, I know, because I know trauma in foreign practices, adverse childhood experiences, and I'm acting out because my home is, is, is off the hook. Right. And then when you find out the stories, you'd be like, really? You, yeah. you, you, you got to, it's a whole compassion part. Bro, bro, if you break into my motherfucking house, I don't care what your mama did. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You come up in here. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's in the domain, bro. You got to. And I see some of the stuff, some of the shit that you see online with some of the stuff that these kids be saying to these teachers and doing oh, yeah. to these teachers. And then it only really makes the news when the teacher snaps. True. I, I, yeah, yeah. And some of these kids just need their ass beat. You know, all of that won't work for all the kids. I'm going to tell you for real, you can, you can beat them but down. You, you beat one up. And the rest of them will be like, okay, yeah, I know he'll beat somebody up. What? <laughs> <laughs> you do got a good left jab. Right. <laughs> he did put that combo together good. Right. I, I, you know, I, I, I won't disagree with that, but I'm going to tell you what I what I did. Okay. I did, And it's what I teach in schools right now. It's about relationships. Right now, I can go into, I've, I've gone into the toughest schools in Detroit. Okay. The first thing I do is not tell them why I'm here, is to get to know who it is that they are. So I'll just go through something. I say, you know what, man, before I get started, you know, I just want to check the birthdays. I want to know because, you know, somebody might have my birthday or my mama's birthday or something. All right, mm-hmm. January birthdays, raise your hand. Ask them, okay, what's your name and your birthday is on what day? And I go through the whole year. And what that clicks inside of their mind is saying that he actually cares about something beside what he came here to talk to me about. And he cares to me as a person. All kids want to be liked and want to be instructed and directed by somebody who they think cares about them. And so I I go through a couple of those things, take me 10, 15 minutes, dog, and I can teach him what I want to teach him. Yeah, I guess because you care. Absolutely. Yeah, some of us and, don't. And, and if you don't, uh, go do something else. Because yeah, that ain't the place that, for you. That's so, why I'm nowhere in near nobody's kids. Listen, because <laughs> they will expose kids. Kids will expose you. And I'm talking shit, man. I, I actually do, you know, I kind of give a shit, man. You know, I try to. You, I, listen, you listen. If you grew up as a black man in America, you got to care about other black kids, especially black boys growing up 20, yeah. 30, 40 years behind us. They got it rough. It's deep. Well, you know what? I will say the one thing that my generation lacks is accountability. Mm. We, we, we act as if, I say this all the time, we act as if these kids fell out the fucking sky. No, they, they didn't fall, fall out the sky. sky. They fell out they your fell, house. It, it, exactly. <laughs> You know, yeah, there's something that we did or did not do mm-hmm. that we refused to take accountability for that got us to this point. I agree. I, I agree. Not, not enough people, whether it be in the church house, whether it be in the organization, whether it be in the schoolhouse, whether it be uh, in the AAU, whatever, not enough people stood up and are standing up to say, you know what? 
somebody got to care about these people. Somebody got to care about these kids, these disadvantaged people. There's these people who are poor, these people who are low wealth. They got to somebody got to step up and start caring about people outside of their family. It's easy to step up and say, OK, I'm going to take care of my family. But what about people outside of your family? That's that's not easy to do. It right. Not. That's not easy to do. You know, although I will say, like, if, if you care about your kids, then you, can, you, you at the very minimum, you're going to care about their friends. Yeah. True story. You know, um, and that's one thing, like with my daughters, they, 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 they all got, they got a best friend. If you got a best friend, that best friend is one of my kids too. Mm-hmm. How old and, are, your, are your kids, are your daughters? Oh, geez. What is that? My kids are all grown, grown. I got oh, six okay. grandkids. Oh, okay. You okay. Know, what is Jennifer? Jennifer be what? 33 this year, I think. Mm. I, I, I stopped counting really. <laughs> it just makes me feel older and shit. But I just, I got to keep up with my grandkids now. Oh, you know, wow. My oldest grandkid is 13. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There yeah. it is. My, my youngest just turned one. There it is. You know, okay. and th- th- that's some humbling shit, man. I'm I can't imagine. Even... Oh, my God. And then, like, yeah. my, my oldest, like, we have a lot of things. She's a lot like me. Uh-huh. You know, so <laughs> it's it, <laughs> uh, it, it just, man, don't, don't get me started, brother. Right, oh, another right. fucking conversation. Yeah. Um. Which school do you, matter of fact, what school did you graduate? Did you graduate from Cass? Mm-mm, I graduated from Ketter. Cass kicked my butt out. Oh, wow. <laughs> Kettering? I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm still, oh, I'm, no, hey, I'm like that's trash, why I'm Fisher. I'm still standing. I'm still I feel strong. You on that. But it, it, it was, it was, it was in spite of Kettering. Let me tell you something, bro. My cousins remember, went to Kettering. I remember looking out the window, seeing a, a shootout. Straight movie style. The dude busting, and you see the dust popping up off the ground, right? The dude running across the front of Ketter. I believe you. (laughs) Yeah, like my cousins grew up on Seminole and Maxwell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right right off of uh, Gratiot. Oh, really? On on which side? On the the Belle Isle side or the freeway side? The freeway side. Oh, I know them. Yeah. Yeah, like I, we used to like like I, I was like when when they stayed on Maxwell because my grandfather, my mother grew up in that in that house on Maxwell. Oh wow! Her and her siblings, you know. What's the last so, name? A uh, Boyd. For well, my cousins were Rice. Okay. Yeah, okay. but that, man, like like that was man. We we had some times over there. I'll just just put it oh, that absolutely. way. Man. So I'm very familiar. I, I went to Ford. And I was glad I did not go to Kettering because I oh, see. Dog. Listen, dog. Quit 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 acting highfalutin because you went to Ford. They was crazy over there too. Yeah, but it was sophisticated. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was, what, what, what the what what the what the bullet had Gucci cologne on it? What, absolutely. It? <laughs> no, it had Lagerfeld. <laughs> See, y'all do too much then with the east side, west side. You know we both from either side. Eighties and nineties in Detroit. Come on, man. I'm blessed to be. I'm I'm blessed that we both made it up out of there. In in regards, is it getting worse? Is it getting worse? Um. Yes and no. Detroit, like you said, you you are correct about the in regards to the segregated nature. Mm-hmm. And like my area where I'm at now, East English Village, over by Gross Point, over by St. John's Hospital, is becoming a little gentrified. And so people trying to buy my house and getting certain na- pockets and neighborhoods together. And if your neighborhood together, you're you're straight. But in the neighborhoods that are not together, uh, it could be it could be pretty tough, bro, because. If you don't have jobs and education, there is no hope. And if you don't have no hope, then hopeless people are are terrifying. They're, they're worse than Mike Tyson uh, with a machete. Mm. No hope, they'll do anything, in my opinion. Now, one of the worst things, the most frightening thing I've ever, ever seen in Detroit was a white man walking down Woodward with a fucking poodle. Oh yeah, I've seen. I, I think I may have even seen that dude. That that that's that's when you know that they have that your city is no longer your city. And oh yeah, Detroit, as far as black people go, 
it's hard to explain to other black people from other cities. No. Because they look at Detroiters as arrogant. And it's not that we're arrogant. It's that even when you fuck up and you go to court, your judge is black most of the time. Yeah. The DA is black. Your 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 attorney is black, whether you pay for them or they free. Mm-hmm. Like the, the system is black. So that yeah. gives you a sense of strength, a, a sense of, of, of knowing who you are and knowing the greatness that you can become. Like yeah. you can see the projects, but you mm-hmm. can also go to Indian Village. Oh, or you wow. can also go to Sherwood Forest or you yes. can also go to Rosedale Park and you can see black folks getting it. Yeah, Detroit had the up until I think it was around 2000, Detroit had the largest black middle class in the country. Yeah. And yeah. It, that it it just it gives you a sense of strength that you just can't explain. You have to yeah. go elsewhere to really understand the difference between Detroiters and other black people. And they don't and they, they don't even understand in, D, in DC when they call it Chocolate City where in in Prince George's County and in, in certain areas of Maryland I think seven out of the 10 most affluent uh, black neighborhoods are in Maryland, are in that DMV area, in that uh, uh, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And they still don't understand it like we understand, you know. I didn't know that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I just listen. One of my friends is uh, who's from Detroit. Mm -hmm. She uh, is a professor, at a tenure professor at Howard. Now, her her house was wonderful. You know, I didn't want to leave her house and come back. You know what I'm saying? You know, it was it was it was spectacular. Her whole neighborhood, you know. Um, yeah, you got some very because of the federal government and because of that region, I mean you got mm-hmm. black folks making two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Young thirties, yeah, forties. Fuck to live there though, too. Oh yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, you're gonna pay. Yeah, yeah oh my pay. god. Let, oh, yeah. let me ask you. So you get a young kid, smart kid, mm-hmm. bright future. Mm-hmm. He comes to you and he says, should I go to an HBCU? Mm-hmm. Should I go to a PWI? Mm. What do you think? I'm going to tell him, ask him what's important to you. Okay. I'm going to ask him to, to take out the paper, put down pros and cons for both PWI and HBCUs. Let's talk about it. And then we're going to talk about how does it fit you and how does it fit your goals? That's that's what I'm going to do because, um, you know, how, they call Howard the Mecca for a reason. Because you come up out of there. Uh, you position very well to 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 to, to get as uh, any job uh, at any place anywhere as you came out of Stanford or you came out of an Ivy League school. Same thing with Fam. Same thing with Hampton. Uh, some of the schools in the Atlanta area. So it, it, you got to break it down and say what what is your goal? You know what what do you want to accomplish? Um, how do you feel about this? Do you need this? Do you think that would be a, a more supportive environment for you? They're not definitely not the same. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I would I would I would help them pro and con it out and tell them, hey, if you do this, you're gonna get this and get that. If you do this, you're gonna get this and get that, right? And so mm-hmm. you just gotta know where where you want your sweet spot to be. Cause if I could if I could go back, that's one of the things I would change. Cause I never graduated. Mm-hmm. And I would go to an HBCU because I was very intelligent, mm-hmm. but I was so smart so early on that I had absolutely no discipline. Mm. And when you get to the PWIs, they don't give a fuck about you. They just want your check. Well, I'm in the class with 500 other people. I went to Michigan State. I'm in the class with 500 other people, and you just you, you just an ID number. Whereas if you go to you know a, a, a HBCU, they that, recognize you, things in you. Like I had I, my my 12th grade English teacher, Teresa Carroll, best teacher mm-hmm. I've ever had. Mm-hmm. She recognized the greatness that I possessed, mm-hmm. and she taught to my personality. Sure. And I never got that after that. So why why do you think that doesn't happen at a PWI? Because they don't have the opportunity. They don't have the space. They don't have the time. Like like yes, say what you yes, like, yes they like, do. How you know you? How you know? Okay. I'm, I'm telling you, I my, went to the University of Iowa. Teachers didn't. Huh? I went My to the University didn't. of Iowa. Listen, there were some. If it wasn't for some of the white teachers at the University of Iowa, I may not have graduated. They did some stuff um, to help me that um, was extraordinary, and a lot of my help came from people that didn't look like me, bro. I'm just gonna tell I, you, I, I, I didn't get that at all, bro. 
well, I, I could get that. You got the the whole problem. There were times, listen, bro, when I ran out of money, mm-hmm. um, and and people, uh, uh, whether they were were Latinx, whether they were black, uh, they helped me, and that's what I write. That's why I talk. I talk about that in my book, dude. That's why I wrote my book so that people can understand that you got to judge. You got to come into understanding that there can be a race problem. There can be a gender bias problem. There can be a uh, social economic status problem, right? But you mm-hmm. got to you got to check everybody else out for yourself to see how that person relates to you. And you know, there were some people who were were who looked like me, who um, who didn't help me as much. And there were some people who didn't look like me who helped me. And then there are some who did look like me who helped me a lot. And so you know, you got to find the sweet spot in that's going to work for you. Because um, there's a black uh, alumni, Big Ten Black Alumni Network that I'm a part of on Facebook. So you got black people who went to Indiana, who went to Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. Minnesota, all of those who are in the same place. And we got the same experience is that and there there are people there who did their undergrad at at a PWI and did their um, what you call them at HBCU. They say, I thank you for both experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they talk about the pros and cons of both experience. Like for me, I, I did both of my deals. Uh, one of my deals, my undergrad was uh, University of Iowa, was a PWI. My, my Mary Grove master's degree up there on Six Mile in Wyoming, I was in class with vast, with the majority of the people in class were African-American. The, the majority of my uh, faculty members were black. Right. Had some mm-hmm. white faculty members. So I think it wasn't a, a, a HBCU, but it was a HBU, uh, a HBU, a HBU, HBCU. HBCU. Feeling. Yeah. I get it was you. Feeling. Yeah. And I so, get you. Yeah. So, oh, damn. Oh, oh, man. You made me lose. Oh, you asked that, about uh, uh, your, book. Yeah. your book. Yeah. What's the name of your book, bro? The Ghetto Grave Dodger. Semicolon. How social and emotional learning can address trauma, address trauma, decrease violence, and help struggling schools. And where do we get that book? Amazon.com. Put in my name. Put in the book title. Boop. It'll pop right on up. Bro, you gotta leave with that shit. Yeah. Like start off with the book. Okay. The yes. book's gangster. Yeah, plug, <laughs> plug your shit, bro. Absolutely, man. And listen to me. I'm gonna tell you. I'm to the point now where i'm really when i leave here they're gonna say he did try to help some folk that that's 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 it at this point for me i mean i listen i've had a, 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 so much fun and so many experience so much travel a lot of did a lot of stuff still a lot of things that i want to do and i ain't trying to check out tomorrow but i've done some stuff where i want to be able to help people who, especially who come from the experience that I came from, mm-hmm. you know, that's important to me. And that's why I wrote the book, man. It, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a workbook uh, for people who want success coming from a, 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 a disadvantaged position. That's basically why I wrote it. Okay. We, and we ain't got with about 10 more minutes, but most okay. proud moment, like the kid that touched you the most oh. that has come back and you've seen the greatest change. The last one has to be one of my track and field athletes who was struggling in high school. I remember one time he said, Coach, I can't come to, to, to practice this week. I gotta sell, I gotta sell some weed so I can get my get our lights back on. Mm. That's what he he told me flat out. Mm. And I was like, I understand, dude. I I you know, I I you know what can I do? You got to you got to do what you got to do. I, I wanted to, there's nothing you can do. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. so he did what he had to do. He flipped, he did what he had to do, got his lights on, helped his parents, graduated, went to college, got a scholarship, went to the military, came back and said, if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for you, I don't know if I would have made it. Period. Took me out to Buffalo Wild Wings. That's just that's just one. I got I got another I got so many I got the, the, the another one um just posted on Facebook she was she's doing some some teaching science and she said 
I, 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 I'm looking, thinking back on the times when I was in Mr. Kenny Brew's class mm-hmm. to teach me how to do what I'm doing right now. That stuff means a lot, man. Yeah, man. You know, somebody, uh, it made me think of, uh, uh, somebody told me, uh, I don't know, last year or sometime, mm-hmm. they just randomly inboxed me and was like, you know, I just wanted to thank you because one day you told me I deserved it. And that has stuck with me because she got a new position and she was scared about the shit. And I'm like, why, why are you scared? You deserve the shit. You worked hard for it. Be you. Be great. And that was it. I didn't think nothing of it. I forgot we even had the fucking conversation. Sure. And here it is like two years later, she comes just randomly inboxing me just to say that that stuck with me and propelled me. And I wasn't even trying. Yeah. And I, I think that is the, the beauty of it is when you are not trying but you don't know how powerful certain things are that you do and you say to people so that's why i'm really big on what the book talks about the social and emotional learning emotional intelligence you know learning how to understand my emotions how to how to manage myself how to work well with people and work well in teams and make good decisions man it's it's important for success and and that's why i talk about it all in the book Worst decision you've made? Man. Worst decision I made? Mm. Man, I don't even know. Worst decision I made? Because I'm, a, I'm, I'm to a place now, bro. Honestly, it's either a blessing or a lesson. And so... Oh, you done woke <laughs> up with a gremlin or something before, bro. You done had a bad decision. We all had. Oh, well, who, I mean, some, some, that's, <laughs> bro, I can't disclose that kind of stuff on the internet. <laughs> yeah, you tripping. Let me, let me say it like this. Um, that's you call my cousin like, that nigga is nuts. So what's wrong with you? <laughs> hey, hey. There's nothing new under the sun, brother. What what has befallen other men, I would just say, has befallen me as well. But I can't, you know, those type of things. I, 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 I'm just fucking with you, man. But just on some real shit, like like, is there is there just something like like if you could go back and you like, if I can go back and do it again, yeah. If I can go back and do it again, I wish that I could have got. I wish I had told people at Cass what was going on in my life, and they would have helped mm-hmm. me, and and that could have helped me. Uh, there and to a certain trajectory. Um, but I still did end up going to a PWI. I still ended up graduating and still having certain, but I think that that made it did something different. Um, I'm going to be, here's one of the big ones Mm -hmm. is that I was a good, I was a really a good athlete. I was kind of, I wasn't, I was the level right before freakish. Okay. And I made a lot of decisions, bad decisions there on quitting playing football in high school, not walking on football in college, not running track in college. That I regret. That 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 I really, really regret because everything else that I made a mistake on, I could come back from because it's not time or age related. My athletic ability is now yeah. gone. Yeah. It's yeah. gone, bro. Yeah. So though though that you. that's a that's a that's a big one. You know. I went to cash for one year. Mm-hmm. And what year? Jeez, like, what, what was it? 85? Okay. 85, 86. Mm-hmm. And actually, Dion's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to call her that, Patricia. Um, her sister went to cash, my, mm-hmm. my, my cousin, uh, Angie. Mm-hmm. That was my homegirl. No doubt. Um, and so and she was a couple of grades before me. I'm like, oh shit, it's about to be lit. I'm about to walk up in this piece and we good. And she ain't know nobody. <laughs> I was like, what? You Yeah. That... She was su- she was such a quiet person right. that was not me. And yeah. I walked in that bitch stomping. Yeah. Like, I cash, I cash. went to the senior trip with her classmates. Oh wow. Yes, well, actually, it was a junior trip. I think yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got with her classmates, you know, like I was lit. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> See, that, that's the thing about cast, man, 
is that you got to have your head on tight because Cass, dude, back when I was there, when I was there the year of 83, 84, the mm-hmm. campus was open and it was the old building. People yeah. was going downtown for lunch. People Ooh. just chilling the in Cass the Cass Corridor still had bums. Yeah, Chicago's Corridor had bombs. You know, it's cleaned yeah. up now because yeah. Actually, was horrible. Everything. Listen, dude. <laughs> Listen, we Cass was a whole different monster, dog. And so, um, you had to have your head on, and my head wasn't on, man, because of what I had going on at the crib. And so, I wish I would have reached out to some, a counselor and told her what I had going on, um, and, and maybe things could have been different that way. But you know, I I just look at it as a lesson, and it's something that I can tell. Uh, the young people that I mentor and deal with uh, yeah. that they can make it to. I will say that was a mistake on my mother's part, allowing me to leave Cass. Why did you, what, they, you just, why did you leave? Why did you want to leave? Cause it's, I, I stay, I wanted to go back to Ford. I wanted to go to Ford. Like that, that was, was your neighborhood school. Yeah. You know, so all my, my boys was going to Ford, you know, I, I went to Ford and I was like, right. You know, that, that was our stumping ground. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. but, and looking back, as far as the trajectory of my life, that was a bad move. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Cass is a really good school. Oh and man, Cass definitely cultivates greatness. It does. Cass Renaissance. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So that would be one thing. Like, like if I could go back, I I would mm-hmm. just stick it out. You know, and it allowed me the ability to quit for a while. You know, mm. going forward. Mm. without repercussions in my mind like right you know, it, it took me a while to get to the point where you know what quitting was unacceptable to me mm-hmm. you know and when you get that in you anything is possible yes sir yeah 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 i i tell people man that your success is not going to be because you're smart your yeah. success is going because you your goals are clear and you don't stop that's it man that's that's just plain plain it. And that's what yes. I'm trying to equate to these kids because whenever it gets difficult, dog, they're looking for the easy route. They're looking for it to be easy. Oh, why we got to do this? Why we got to do that? You know, I'll be at practice. I'll be laying it on them. You know, I'll be laying it on them. And, you know, today was another day I laid it on them. I said, listen, dude, if you got to go, because they're, ki- they're kids, I coach at Cats. Mm-hmm. And so they're kids who are come through cast who are not pros, you know, in the NFL. Yeah. And I tell them, I said, listen, I talked to him today. I said, your goals has to be, you have to set high goals and don't be afraid of the pain that's going to come to try to achieve that goal. It, because if you don't want the pain, all success is on the other side of pain and suffering. Plain Man. and simple. You got to give it up. And pain is inevitable. You can be Man. fat and have pain yep. or you could be in shape and have pain. It's up to it's, you. It's up to you. You it's up to you. You you could be swole as the Michelin man, or you could be cut up. You could, you gonna you experience some pain either way. That fat pain is different than that skinny pain. Trust me. It sure is. <laughs> Boy, I do, man. Listen, I got up to two twenty two, and I was like, "What is all of this feeling, dude?" Goodness, man. Clothes was looking all strange. I said, "Not me." I dropped no that dog. Comment. Um, and shout out to uh, Roseanne Rodriguez. She said, great interview. I like this interview. Interesting black man. Um, <laughs> shout out to Caesar. Um, anybody else has tapped in. You know, I don't really be paying attention until after the show. So my bad if I ignored you. It wasn't intentional. Blame blame somebody else, not me. Um, <laughs> if people want to get in contact with you, bro, how they go about doing that? Oh, they can just reach out my name, uh, Royce Kenny Brew at gmail.com, spelled R-O-Y-C-E. K-I-N-N-I-E-B-R-E-W at gmail.com or they could go to my website at T-H-E-R-D-K-G-R-O-U-P.com. That's the R-D-K group.com. And then they can go on Amazon.com, put my name in and get the book, man. It, it, it will definitely be helpful no matter what stage of life that you're in. All right. And one more time before we go, what's the name of the book? The Ghetto Grave Dodger. Just put that in, dog. You're going to get it. That sounds like a movie. I've interviewed a couple of directors, too. You never know. Never know, bro. 
Uh, all right, bro. Yo, if there's anything I can do for you, please don't hesitate to let me know. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation, man. Appreciate you, my guy. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you, my guy. No, no doubt. And likewise, man, you have a good one, man. God bless you too, bro. All right, um, take care. And good luck with the diversity stuff. Right, man, I'm listen. I'm gonna keep working on the dog, um, and we're gonna get what we're gonna get. Tell them white folks I said what's up. <laughs> I will. All, All right, right man, have a good one, bro. All right. Yeah. And you already know, man, this has been Jobs. Thank you for tuning in. Um, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to Hove 9. Um, and shout out to M3S3, man, and Nerve DJs, man. You already know, man. Your talent gets you on the show, but it's your story that makes you stand out. On that note, I'm out. Y'all have a good one.